album number five, Era Vulgaris, released in 2007. Whisperings of an album began as far back as 2005, with Dave Grohl telling Mojo that he was going to be working on a project with Homie and the bassist from Led Zeppelin, John Paul Jones. It emerged later that Paul McCartney had asked Dave Grohl if they were looking for a bassist for the project, and Grohl had to tell him that, sorry, John Paul Jones had already said yes, but this wasn't to be the next Queens of the Stone Age album. This album was to be a self-titled side project called Them Crooked Vultures. The Queens of the Stone Age biographer considers this album as Queens in all but name. I would take issue with that, but I definitely agree that it's bordering on quotes a canon. Have a listen, decide for yourself. As for the next Queens studio album, Homie had started casting the net out for collaborators early on. He got his then-wife Brodie Dow returning for backing vocals, along with Liam Lynch and Serena Sims, lead singer of Sweethead. They all contributed to Make It With You, which had finally schmoozed its way off of the Desert Sessions recordings. Mark Lanigan returned for harmony vocals on Run Pig Run, Julian Casablancas provided synth guitar and vocals for Sick Sick Sick, and Trent Reznor played on the title track. Alan Johannes and Chris Goss were back, covering all the bases, while Homie held on to Troy and Joy Castillo. In recognition of the fact that Homie kept these core members, I've decided that this should be labelled lineup 8.5. Actually, Homie had started becoming increasingly more humble about the band's revolving door, describing it more and more as an unintentional feature of the band, but one which he felt they might as well use to their advantage. The album title, as I'm sure you educated listeners know, is Latin for Common Era. Here is a homie quote about it, in which he makes some pretty prescient comments, remember this is 2007, about what would become clear stereotypes of millennials and our modern world of fake news. Here's homie. It sounds like the vulgar era, which I like, because that sounds like something that I'd like to be a part of. I mean... I think we're in it, and I'm stoked because I think a generation doesn't want to be dock workers or coal miners, they want to delay adolescence and prolong adolescence, prolong thought about what to do and try to take advantage of life while it's around. Take more artistic jobs like working at Pitchfork, playing rock music, and I totally understand that. And I also think it's an age of disinformation, where it's not like it's being kept from you, it's more like it's being piled on top of you. Wow, that was 2007. The loose idea for this album was about a drive around Hollywood, and so contains themes about being in the limelight. It doesn't present itself as a concept album though, so don't be expecting any radio DJs this time. The album was recorded with exactly zero input from the record label Interscope between July 2006 and April 2007 at Cherokee Studios in Hollywood, Steakhouse Studios in Los Angeles, and back at Sound City Studios in Van Nuys. There were also some versions put out on Homie's own label, Records Records. This was to be the last studio album with Interscope as they switched to Matador for the next two albums, for reasons unknown. Promotion for the album was stepped up for the digital age, with snippets of audio and video being released on YouTube, then a fan site, thefade.com, offered the chance to win a special package, which turned out to be a CD called You Know What You Did, with just one single on it, Era Vulgaris. Included with the CD was a weird, rambling letter about how you should share it with all your friends. 
In an odd move that I was hitherto unaware of, all non-UK releases of the album would be without the title track, which is unfortunate because the Erevo Garish track really does well to boost what I feel are some of the weaker ones at the end. Reception to the album was mixed. Publications like Q kept up their reputation for being absolute dicks and gave it 2 out of 5. The Guardian weren't impressed either, but took up the all-familiar cry of It's missing all the fairy! Yawn. Overall, there was plenty of love and record sales for the album, but it just wasn't going to reach the giddy heights of Songs for the Deaf. Album number 6, Like Clockwork, released in 2013. Up until now, Homie has been a prolific song producing machine, averaging an album every two years since 1991. Quotes of fans, however, would have to wait six years for today's album. So, why the long delay? Well, in 2010, after the then Crooked Vultures tour ended, reports surfaced of a medical emergency involving Josh Homie and a routine knee operation gone wrong. The band's biographer recounts, Homie's heart stopped for a short period. Revived by the medical team with a defibrillator, he woke to find that it had been an extremely close call. The proverbial, died for two minutes, reported by rock stars from Nicky Six to Phil Anselmo. Although in those cases, the near-death experience was the result of drug abuse. Homie was just getting his knee fixed. Afterwards, he was plunged into depression and a struggle with the dreaded MRSA infection. Homie thought that his career was over. If that sounds a bit mad and hard to believe, then you can give yourself a pat on the back. Your bullshit detector is clearly in fine working order because on the 2016 podcast, Let There Be Talk, Homie partially reveals the following when he was pressed to go on record about what actually happened. It wasn't my knee. I don't know why somebody thought that, but it doesn't matter. I was in too deep. I don't really want to go into it in total detail, but... I got lost. After years of wanting to be something for everybody that you care about, you start to break apart after a while. This is said on this podcast as part of a larger context about drugs, where Homie remained characteristically evasive about admitting specifics, but it seemed clear to me that there had been some kind of breakdown and that some sort of substances must have been involved. Eventually, through cathartic talks with Trent Reznor and encouraged by Brody Dow, Homie began writing music again, beginning with The Vampire of Time and Memory. I hated it, Homie recounted. I thought, who wants to hear this? Then Brody reminded me, who fucking cares? You've got to start somewhere, and the bottom can be a really great place. And so we arrive at that well-worn question, does good art tend to come from places of anguish and strife? Despite the cliché that this question has become, I personally don't get bored of it. There are just so many examples of good art which has come from bad places. And that goes for this album too. Old wounds were beginning to be picked at on the Caius front as well. Oliveri, Bjork and Garcia had been playing Caius material together at gigs. They seemed to be holding out for some involvement from Homie, but when it didn't materialise, the newly dubbed Caius Lives announced they would be recording a new album. In response, Homie and former bassist Scott Reader filed a trademark infringement suit against Bjork and Garcia. Oliveri quickly split after that. Caius Lives was advised by the courts to change their name and so became Vista Chino. Their album Peace was released in 2013. 
Back on Queensland, things were taking shape with a shiny new lineup number nine, easily classifiable with a big round number due to the fact that Joey Castillo was finally dismissed for reasons unknown. After he laid down some tracks for the new album at Homie's own studio, Pink Duck, he was replaced by the return of The Grohl. Also squeezing himself onto the new album's percussion was John Theodore, who was to be Castillo's permanent replacement. I'm going to class this final switch in drummers as lineup number 10, as Grohl was basically the studio drummer and Theodore the live drummer. Troy and Homie also adopted multi-instrumentalists Dean Fertitta and Michael Schumann, who took over bass. Lanigan and Reznor returned for backing vocals, and so did Nick Oliveri. Guest appearances on the album in the order of What The Fuck were Charlie May from Spooky, James Lavelle from Uncle, Philip Shepard from Blockbuster Film Soundtracks, Jake Shears from Scissor Sisters, Alex Turner from Arctic Monkeys, <coughs> shit, and Elton John. Yes, you heard me correctly, Elton John. So, how did everyone's favourite rocket man make it onto the album? Here's a quote from Homie. Elton was in a car listening to them crooked vultures and his assistant said, you need to hear Queen's. The guy driving the car was an old roommate of mine, so all of a sudden I get a phone call at my house on a Sunday. I picked up and he said, hello Josh, this is Elton. I thought someone was messing with me. He said, the only thing missing from your band is an actual Queen. I said, honey, you have no idea. After re-releasing their debut album in 2011, Homie said he was feeling lost and looking for something in the dark. In that dark, I found Like Clockwork. There's a part of me that's releasing this record, and I do mean releasing it and saying goodbye to it in a way that I never have before. We're trying to hang our toes over the edge here because the music is totally honest and real. That's where you can't fail. The album's name is intended to be ironic, as the making of the album had been anything but. This was to be Homie's most and uncharacteristically honest album. Interestingly, it wasn't produced by Chris Goss or even Baresi, but by the band members themselves. From the amazing animated videos by Liverpudlian artist Boneface, which began to tease the album, it was clear that this was going to be a dark record. But that was just fine for the critics and fans. The album topped the Billboard 200 chart and received three Grammy nominations. Reviews consistently suggested that this was the best thing the band had produced since Songs for the Deaf. Album number 7, Villains, released in 2017. <sighs> my feelings about this album will be made quite clear in the discussion part of the podcast, so I'll try my best to remain objective. As before, there was a bit of a wait for this album, but it seems material for it had been written early on. Here's some Wikipedia tweaked background. In January 2014, Homie told Rolling Stone magazine that the band would start recording a new album when they finished their tour for Light Clockwork. In June 2014, Homie performed a solo acoustic show at James Lavelle's Meltdown Festival, featuring guest performances from Troy Van Leeuwen and Mark Lanigan. During this gig, Homie played a new song called Villains of Circumstance, which was performed again at another acoustic set in 2016. The band indicated before Rock in Rio 2015 that they were about to record a new album. Despite this, in March 2016, Michael Schumann revealed that they were on a break. During this period, the members of the band worked on various other projects. 
Josh Homme and Dean Fertitta contributed to Iggy Pop's 2016 album Post-Pop Depression and subsequent tour. In January 2017, Troy Sanders from Mastodon said Queens of the Stone Age would release a new album later that year. Following this, the band posted several photos on social media featuring their studio. They updated their social media accounts with a new Q logo and in April 6 began what would be the most digital of marketing campaigns to date. In June, Quads announced their new album would be entitled Villains. The teaser trailer took the form of a comedy skit featuring the band performing a polygraph test with Liam Lynch along with an appearance from the album's producer, Mark Ronson. Yes, that's right, no Chris Goss, no homie, production was put in the hands of Mark Ronson of Amy Winehouse Valerie fame, and boy did he fucking run with it. That month, they released their first single from the album, The Way You Used To Do, and announced the world tour. The second advanced single from the album, The Evil Has Landed, was released on August 10th. The touring for the album wasn't all smooth sailing. On December 9th, 2017, while on stage during the Croc acoustic Christmas concert, Homi kicked a photographer's camera into her face, resulting in injuries for which she later received medical treatment. Homi, who was drunk at the time, later apologised through a video on the band's Instagram page saying, I hope you're okay and I'm truly sorry and I understand you have to do whatever you have to do. I just want you to know that I'm sorry. Good night, Godspeed. Articles were published, his apology was dissected, it was a shitty thing to do, and it broke Homie's own golden rule about not being a dick while drunk. It's not clear if she ever took the legal action that Homie was hinting at or whether she was given money, but articles about the incident quickly died down. Aside from the story, reception to the album and tours have been pretty good. It got to third place in the Billboard 200 and critics have been fairly positive. Dig a little deeper on the Quatsa Reddit and you might find a few disappointed fans, but not a lot, so it seems I must be in the minority. Well, that's it. I've taken you further than the band's biographer, and now we're up to present day. What's next for Josh Homme and Queens of the Stone Age? Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top had made noises about a new Quatsa album featuring him and Dave Grohl, but then Grohl denied it, and Gibbons turned up on the new Desert Sessions, volumes 11 and 12. Homie has always put a strong emphasis on escapism, so I wouldn't count on the next album being called Queens Under Quarantine or anything like that. Whatever it sounds like, we know one thing for sure, it will be exactly what Josh Homie wants it to sound like, and I'm happy to cheers to that. <laughs>